Well, welcome, welcome. My name is Connor, and if you are on campus, we love you. I am so glad that you are here. If you are watching online, we love you. We are so glad you are tuning in. If you are watching weeks, months, or even years from now, we love you. We are so glad that you are tuning in. Well, y'all, do I need to bring up what happened this past weekend? Should we go there? Do we need, can we just grieve together for just a second? You know, the, the long-term Bengals fans that I know right now, they're saying, praise God, we went to the Super Bowl, baby. Yeah, we're on the map now. And for the long-term, or the short-term Bengals fans like myself, I'm not a bandwagon, just so you know. Uh, we're saying, yeah, we went to the Super Bowl, but man, Cooper Cup, why you got to do us like that on the last drive, you know? So, okay, we can, we can move on now. Okay, we just had to get that out of the way. Uh, next year, there we go. Amen. Joe Franchise, come on. Come on, somebody. <laughs> uh, also, hey, I just want to throw this out there and ask for your grace uh, today with me. My, my family had COVID in December, and uh, uh, we have had some annoying, uh, lingering symptoms uh, since then. We've taken tests, and they're all negative. The doctor said you're fine. So in the first row, you don't have to hide your kids and hide your wife, okay? You guys are good, I promise. Um, so I'm asking for a little bit of grace today from you guys. Is that okay with you all? Okay, some of you are like, no, get out of here. <laughs> well, if I had to take a guess, I would be willing to bet that every person would say that they would like for their lives to make a difference, even if it was a small difference. Just Google find my purpose or how to be happy and the results are overwhelming, right? Harvard Business Review posted an article and they said that nine out of 10 people are willing to make less money to do more meaningful work. Maybe you feel like outside of the Bengals, your life doesn't make much of a difference right now. And if that's you, good news, there's hope for you. We're gonna talk about how you can make a difference today. And I know some of you, I see your faces in the crowd, you are making a difference in your life and in your family and in your communities and well done, keep it up. But man, we got a lot of work to do. So we're gonna talk about that today. I wanna tell you about a group that was mysterious and peculiar, lived about 2,000 years ago. And this group of people, they lived so countercultural that they radically changed their community and eventually the world. This countercultural group of people, they, they, they lived in a Greco-Roman culture. So take this countercultural group of people and we'll put them aside. This was the world that they lived in. It, it was common practice in this Greco-Roman world for parents to leave their brand new baby on the ground on the outskirts of town and leave their baby left to, to die, basically. Women were basically viewed as property, and they had little to no say in much of anything, including the impact they had on the world, their world, and even their own bodies. Nowadays, we have systems and programs for, for the poor to get fed and have a roof over their head, but back then, if you were poor, you didn't have a roof over your head and you had no idea where your next meal was coming from. Taking care of the sick, historians believed that in this time period, about a third of the population died from a pandemic. Some think that was chicken pox or measles. But most people that back then would have evacuated a city or a street or, or a medical facility. 
But this countercultural group of people, they stepped into what was happening in their world and they did things like took those babies and brought them into their homes and they took care of them. They valued women and gave them dignity and allowed them to have their own decisions and help them be all that God created them to be and even start leadership initiatives within the group. And in the midst of a pandemic, they chose to run into the areas of the hurting and the sick and the broken people, knowing full well that that might cost them their lives. And history tells us that it did cost them some of their lives. And this radical countercultural group of people radically changed the world that we know today. More on this group later. Just so you know, y'all, um, when we talk about how to make a difference in our community and in our own lives, y'all, I am all for changing our community for good and social change and all of that stuff. But I believe with all of my heart that the best kind of change that can happen to you it can happen to me and can happen to our community is when we experience the love and the grace and the freedom of Jesus Christ. And I'm also convinced that the way that Jesus tells us to live is the best way to live. Even if you don't believe in God and don't hold the Bible to be the authority in your life. If this is your first time here or maybe you're just kind of checking out who is this Jesus guy and what is this church thing? Welcome. We're so glad you're here with us. We've been talking about for everyone. We want to be for everyone. That's the series that we are in. And today we are going to talk about how we can be for our community. And so when we talk about community today, community means where you work, where you learn, where you eat, where you play, and where you rest. So I want you to take an inventory right now of your own life and think about your community where is your community, where you work, where you learn, where you eat, where you play, and where you rest? Some people would say, where you Netflix and chill. Hey, I don't know. It's just to think about your community. I want to give you three things that can help you make a difference in your community and in your lives. How do we make a difference? How do we change our community where we eat, sleep, play, and work? Three things. Are you ready? That was sad, y'all. Are you ready? All right, let's do this. Number one, live questionably. Live questionably. Do you live a questionable life? Now, some of you are like, well, yes, I do. <laughs> and some of you are like, no, I don't, but she does. <laughs> Not the kind of questionable I'm talking about. <laughs> do you live a life that is so different from the world that people can't help but come to you and ask why you're so weird? Why are you so weird? Tell the person next to you it's okay to be weird. Yeah, that's good. Maybe tell them a second time, y'all. <laughs> it's okay to be weird. <laughs> Today, y'all, I want to help us go. Some of you guys are lingering. Should we stay there for just a second? Let that breathe for a little bit. It's okay to be weird. It's okay. <laughs> Today, I want to help all of us go from a questionable character to living a questionable life in Jesus. And here's the deal, y'all. If we, Jesus people, if we live like the world, then the world will never question why we live the way that we do. If we act and we talk and we spend like everyone else, then why in the world would I come to you and ask you why you are so different? It says it like this in the Bible. 
A guy named Peter wrote a letter, and it's now in the Bible. It's called 1 Peter, and in chapter 3, he says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Let's break that down. The first part says, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. In your heart. In your heart. In your, in your heart. This is a deep conviction. This is a deep belief. This is a lifestyle of living and breathing. See, living this way, living a questionable life in Jesus can't be a check off the list. I went to church. Check. I went to church, yeah, check. I, pay, I prayed before my meals, check. I gave some money away, check. No, no, Peter's saying in your hearts, which means it's not what you do, but it's who you are. It's not what you do, it's who you are. Who are we? The foundation of living a questionable life is found in people who have surrendered to the lordship of Jesus. Whoa, lordship, what does that mean? That means that we make Jesus lord of our lives. That means that we make him king. That, that means that whatever he says goes. As my father-in-law would say, he is the El Capitan of our lives. And whatever Jesus says goes. And if you consider yourself to be a Jesus follower, it's your job. To make following Jesus attractive to the world. Author Michael Frost put it like this. The church, you and me, is to be like a movie trailer to God and his love, mercy, justice, and reconciliation. I love that. So um, let me hear some movie trailers that you guys have seen recently. You can just yell them out. Let's hear the movie trailers that you're excited to see the movies. Let's hear them. Dog. Dog. Okay, what else? Let me hear some. Come on, do you guys not watch trailers like to the movie? Like, what's the deal? You got any other ones? Yes, the chosen. There you go. What else? There you go. Awesome, Batman. Okay, that's so good. Okay, so we see a movie trailer and we see that and it's like, oh man, I want to see that movie. Tell me more. Well, what if the world saw our lives and it was a picture of God's goodness? and God's love and God's grace and his redemptive power to change the world through our lives. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 5. He said, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Peter goes on. He says, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you. So if a person walks up to you and asks, why are you so weird? <laughs> Peter's saying you should be able to give a reason for why you're so weird, for why you have hope. Y'all, I would hope, um, I would expect this of myself, that in any context, whether we sit down and had coffee or we're talking out in the hallways or here on stage, um, my hope is that I would always be authentic and honest and transparent with you. But I just want to have an, an extra moment of authenticity with you and be vulnerable and say, I don't 
have this all figured out. The stuff that we're talking about, about living a questionable life, I'm still figuring out what that means in, in my life and in my, in, my, in my family's life as well. In December, I, I already shared with you, I had COVID, which was awful. We had a death in our family, which was awful. And on top of all of that, I experienced the kind of depression that I've never experienced before in my life. And so I, I'm just coming to you and saying, I'm, I feel like my life is a little bit of a mess right now. <laughs> Physically, mentally, all of it. I mean, I have a toddler and a newborn and things are everywhere in our house, right? <laughs> and I'm supposed to have hope? My life is supposed to be a movie trailer for other people to see so they can experience God? Tell me more. <laughs> I've had to stop and remind myself of what Jesus has done for me. That he died for someone like me. That he rose from the dead and he conquered sin and death so that I can have life and freedom no matter what life throws at me. I have to remind myself, y'all, that I do have hope no matter what life brings my way because of what Jesus has done in me and for me. And that means that even if I do something stupid and even if life smacks me in the face and even if my wife is not healed of her stomach issues yet, I can still have hope because my God is good. Because my God has given me grace and love in spite of life, what life throws at me. And I desperately want that hope for you. I want my life and my family to have the kind of hope that when you see us, it's something authentic and raw and real, not counterfeit or fake, but it points people to hope in Jesus. When you see us, I want you to see that we're weird <laughs> in a good way. Let's be clear, I'm weird, but it's a good weird, okay? My mama told me that, um, so <laughs> thanks mom, love you. <clears throat> do you, do you have hope? Do you have hope in Jesus? Do you live in such a way that people might ask you why you have hope? What are you saying, Connor? You mean like when I go to college, I just got to stand on a desk and I got to proclaim it out loud that God is good. Or I got to go into the office on Monday morning and I just got to shout out at the top of my lungs that God is good. Well, not necessarily. That'd be a, a little weird, you know. Um, be weird, not really weird, you know. Um, if God puts that on your heart, then, then you should, I, I guess you should, should do that. But the Bible describes this in, in two different ways. One, some people have the gift of an evangelist. They can't wait but to have a conversation with you and to proclaim the goodness of God. And the second is, is this demonstration, is, is evangelism. All Jesus followers should demonstrate Jesus in their everyday lives. The churchy word evangelism, that means Jesus people. We all should demonstrate Jesus in our lives. In the last part of the verse, it says, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience. Jesus, people, you want to know what this means? This means don't be a turd. 
Just don't be a turd. Post that in the chat right now. Don't be a turd. Send me all the turd emojis that you can conjure up. Let me see them. Post that in the chat. Don't be a turd. <laughs> I got some things in my notes that I think I'm just going to skip. And I'll just leave it at this. Um, if you think that winning an argument on social media will lead somebody to Jesus, it won't. Stop it. I want to help you go from having questionable character to a questionable life in Jesus. I want to tell you about my friend Carson. Carson was a turd. <laughs> Carson, I know you're watching this uh, later tonight, man. I'm sorry, but it's true. You, you were a turd. You were hard to be around. We grew up together. Our parents knew each other. And so he would come over and hang out or vice versa. And we'd play football and video games and all of that. He was, he was hard to be around, so much so that sometimes he would show up when we were hanging out and he would show up high. Um, his friends at, at his school, he went to a Christian school, they thought that it would be funny if they wrote on a whiteboard, Carson smokes weed in Sharpie marker, so it didn't erase. And the school administration at this Christian school got hold of what was going on and found out that he indeed was engaging in uh, illegal activity and that stuff. So they kicked him out of school and Carson needed to carry over his credits from junior year to senior year. And so they made him do some study over the summer. And so they sent him some sermons and they sent him some books to read and all that stuff. And y'all, I wish I had a half an hour to explain to you the kind of Change. Something happened in my friend Carson from the beginning of the summer to the end of the summer. Something, the best way concisely I can describe it to you is that at the beginning of the summer, Carson was running away from something and without hope. And at the end of the summer, Carson was running towards something. And he had this hope about him that was curious to me. I grew up in church, but y'all, I didn't care about Jesus. I was living for me. I didn't care that Jesus was my Lord and he was my El Capitan. I didn't care about that. Until my friend Carson, something started to happen in his life. And when school started, he invited me this, to this youth group. And he was saying, hey, man, I'm praying for you. You need to listen to the youth pastor. And I would have never heard the youth pastor say, there's a God that is for you. He's not against you. And there's a God who wants to give you grace and know you personally. I would have never heard that if it not been for Carson living a questionable life. Fast forward months later, Carson got a call from this Christian school that he was kicked out of. And they asked Carson to come back and speak at a chapel service and share how God had been working in his heart and in his life. And so, yeah, praise God for that, right, Carson? Proud of you, dude. Love you, man. And so, and so I, I can remember seeing Carson on stage and, and the students are, are rolling in, right? They're, they're getting their seats and some of them came from the very classrooms with the whiteboard that said, Carson smokes weed. And this dude named Carson on stage, it's like, oh man, this is a, this is a churchy setting. This is a religious setting. This is interesting. What is he going to say? And Carson stood up there and shared why he had hope in Jesus. And I'm happy to report to you now that Carson now is, he's not a turd. <clears throat> You're all right, man. 
He's not a turd. He, I'm happy to report to you that he's not smoking weed still. And I'm so honored to share with you that my friend Carson is now the Bible teacher at the very school that he was kicked out of. Yeah. And now Carson is teaching students how to have hope in Jesus and how they can make a difference in their communities. He went from having questionable character to living a questionable life in Jesus. Do you live questionable? Do you live a questionable life? Number two, live intentional. The Bible says in Colossians 4, 5, and 6, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every what? Opportunity. Let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Make the most of every opportunity. Every opportunity. Living a questionable life, y'all, is super important. But doing that with intentionality is even more impactful. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm living questionably. People are starting to take notice that I'm, I'm, I'm living differently and talking differently and, and all that stuff. Now they're noticing me. Cool. Now what? Now do that over and over and over again in the same places with the same people. And I promise you, you'll start to see something special happen. If you're like me, you're a visual, uh, you might be a visual learner. And so I want to show you something that will be on the screens. Um, I want to show you, it goes like this. Good actions lead to goodwill which leads to open doors. I was talking about um, this with John um, earlier this week, and John's like, yeah, 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 um, uh, good actions, uh, goodwill, open doors. You got to tell people about the show Cheers. And I'm like, okay, oh, sure, I'll show. He's like, you got to tell them about the guy, Norm. You guys know Cheers and Norm. And so John's telling me this, and I'm like, why are we cheering and who's Norm? I have no idea. So this is for somebody. It's not for me, right? But uh, he said, hey, tell them to be like Norm. Whenever you show up to a place, everybody knows your name. You're a familiar face. They know who you are. And I'm like, okay, it's not for me. It's so who, for whoever that is for, be like Norm, okay? It's from John. Yeah, thank you. Um, <clears throat> Um, let me give you an example of good actions, goodwill, and, and, and open doors. An another example. Um, let's say you are at the grocery store, and you get your groceries, you know, you're doing your thing, and you go to check out, and your and and uh, cashier, she, uh, she or he's taking the thing, and, you know, they got to they gotta get how much the thing costs and stuff, so they're just like, you know, and then they got to bag up. Your, you, guys, you guys grocery shop. That would be weird if you didn't because you need food. Any anyways. Squirrels. Um, <clears throat> so uh, you're checking out and you ask the cashier, ask them next time and watch what happens. Hey, how's it going? How you doing today? And it's like, well, you see me? Like, it's amazing the reaction that, they, that, that whenever you ask that, that their, their reaction. It's like, you mean I matter? Like, what in the world? And so maybe fast forward a couple weeks later, you see this cashier again and you're like, hey, I just want you to know, um, thank you for um, making a difference in the community, uh, in this grocery store. You've helped me out once or twice here. And so I just, my name's Connor and I want to say thank you. Next time you see them and say, hey, how's it going? Uh, uh, anything new happening in your life? And you'll never guess the kinds of conversation and the open doors that might happen because you had, you had good actions 
And you're like, you know what? That person, that weirdo that keeps coming up and talking to me in the grocery store when I'm working, I think they're for me. Some of you um, have students. Let's say your student is a middle schooler. Praise God for middle schoolers, right? And, uh, and so let's say that they play sports, they're in, a, they're, they're in a play, and you as the parent, I would encourage you to do this, to invest in certainly your student, but also to invest in what is going on. So ask the coaches, like, how can I help? Or ask the teachers or the faculty, whatever, how can I help? My goodness, bring them food, because if you feed them, they will Come. So you should definitely uh, do that if you have a, a middle school student. And you never know what will happen because, well, I'll tell you what will happen. People will start to see you and know, oh, that person is actually for me. And doors will open. I'm telling you, this stuff is tried and true. So good actions leads to goodwill, which leads to open doors. So here, I want to give you just two practical ways to do this. One is learn names. Learn names. According to human behavior expert Dale Carnegie, he said, remember that a person's name is to that person the sweetest, most important sound in any language. Travis, Lyle, Luke, Joe. When somebody says Connor, it's like, ooh. Kind of pulls on your heartstrings a bit when you hear your name. So learn names, number one. Number two, go to the same places regularly. Go to the same grocery stores and go to the same gas stations and go to the same places that you go out to eat. Go to the same places. Um, As I was watching the Super Bowl, uh, what caught my attention was uh, announcer Mike Tirico, who's talking about the Cincinnati area. And he said, hey, if you were to visit Cincinnati, which if you don't live here, you should come and hang out. Um, <clears throat> if you were to go and visit Cincinnati, they would tell you not where you go to college or where you went to college, but they would tell you where you go to high school, right? And I was like, dang, baby, we're on the map now. Super Bowl, yes, thank you, Mike Tirico. And, and, and so I, I thought that was great. And so if you do not live in Cincinnati, what you would find is a really, really cool and unique culture of people. And many of you are already doing this. Like you've went to the same grocery store for years. <laughs> you know the same people, right? And they know your name, but hey, listen, we wanna be about bringing people hope in Jesus, you're already doing some of this stuff. We just got to make some minor adjustments so that they can see Jesus in you. It's not about being a good person. We want to be good persons, certainly, but it's about bringing them hope in Jesus. So I want you to go home tonight, this afternoon, and I want you to ask yourself, how can I be intentional in my community? where I work, where I eat, where I sleep, where I play, where I shop. Number three, live relational. Y'all, it's all about relationships. You want to know how to change a community? You do it by getting to know one person at a time. And they see how God is moving in you, and you never know the impact and the difference that it will make in their lives. This means that it can't be a one and done thing. It's got to happen reoccurring over and over and over again with intention. This is, this is, is why sometimes one-time serving projects aren't as impactful because there's little relationship involved. We go in, we, we give away food, we build a building, we give away money, and then it's all over. And those things are good. God can use those things and has. But the bigger impact comes 
when we spend time in relationships. This also means, y'all, that it's not about the building. It's about Jesus. It's about people. The church isn't a building. It's you and it's me. Finally, all the things that we're talking about, all of this has to be done together. We were created to walk out our faith and make our di- a difference in our communities with each other. Y'all, the, the impact that COVID has made in our world and the reality of loneliness is overwhelming. Do you feel alone? I think that loneliness was a reality even before COVID. And this is a big part of why we want to invite you into community here with us. This is why we have, for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about this RSVP invite. And if you have not done this yet and you've been around at Whitewater for some time, we would ask, we're not assuming anything as a staff because when we assume, you know what happens. Yeah. We're not assuming anything. So even if you think that a staff member knows that you're all in or you're all out, we want to know, we want to hear from you. If this is your first time here or you've been hanging out with us for a few weeks, kind of unsure about the church and Jesus, welcome. We're so glad you're here. We invite you into community with us. And so y'all, there'll be a, a QR code on the screens. You can go to InfoDesk. There's uh, in RSVP cards uh, all, all over campus. There's even some on our website too, whitewatercrossing.org slash RSVP. We would love to hear from you because we want to invite you into community with us. Y'all, we've talked about three things that can change your life and change your community. Live questionable, live intentional, and live relational. The group of people that lived 2,000 years ago that was so countercultural that they changed the world, these people were known as the followers of the way because they followed Jesus, because Jesus is the way. They were Christians. And they decided to live so reckless, abandoned and allowing Jesus to be Lord over their lives and they did it together, not alone. And in Acts 1.8, Jesus commanded them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And y'all, they did it. They did what Jesus said. They lived questionable lives and they changed the world. And if Jesus can move through a radically countercultural group of people back then, then I believe with all of my heart that he can take this band of misfits and through us, he, he can use us to change our lives, our families, and our communities. Are you willing to step out in faith and be bold if you know Jesus, to live intentional, live relational, live questionable, Hey, if you haven't made a a decision to follow Jesus, if you don't know Jesus personally, please come talk to me or one of our leaders. I would love to walk you through what it means, how how to choose to have hope 
in Jesus. I promise you it'll change your life like it did with my friend Carson and then eventually me and so many more and so on and so forth. Hey, love you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. You are a good God. You provide over and over and over again. And God, I just know that we desperately need you. God, we wanna be an army that is mobilized for good. And so would you help us to be the church, not in the church building, but out in the community so that we can bring people hope in Jesus and they can ask us why we're so weird and we can say how good you are. Because goodness, you are so good. We love you, God. Thank you for each person under the sound of my voice. Please bless them. Please, I know you'll keep them. I know you know their names and how many hairs they have on their head. Do a new thing, God. <laughs> we pray all this in Jesus' name.